1: I'm Sam Legasic.
3: And I'm Dreadful Dan Gallagher. And we're two old buddies that have lived our
1: life at the edge of the mainstream. So come join us where things are a little... odd. This is the...
2: This earth of yours will be reduced to a burned-out cinder.
3: Hi everyone, I'm Dreadful Dan G, and welcome to Oddcast with
1: my co-host... Me! That's <laughs> a <laughs> me! It's Hello. Sam... Hi, I'm Sam. Question, doing? am I Sam? Answer, yes.
3: <laughs> well, that's good to know. How are you? I'm lovely.
1: You right?
3: Yeah, always. <laughs> now we're back in the uh, saddle, the odd saddle, and prime to talk about Devo's debut album from 1978. It's Q, Are We Not Men? A. We are Devo. So this album, Sam, any thoughts initially? Any thoughts
1: on the album? Any
3: thoughts broadly on Devo?
1: I ruddy love Devo. Um... The first time I heard of this band was when I was uh, in a band with my friend Tarek and he um, opened up this world of Devo, which I was massively not aware of. I think I'd heard of them because being into Nirvana, Kurt had uh, said that he liked them. Yeah. Obviously there was a turnaround on Incesticide. Yeah, I was about Um, to say
3: you're wrong because we definitely knew about them
1: before then through reading Nirvana books. Yeah. But I hadn't actually bothered to go out and listen properly to the stuff. I don't know. Or maybe you, you had, and, but in my no, head yeah. it was, um, uh, oh, that's good. Yeah. Cause in my head it was with Tarek and specifically, specifically this album, which we had the, um, it was the double one, like a compilation between this and the freedom of choice live album, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we were obsessed with it. And we actually covered, we covered a few Devo songs, but one of the first songs that we did was Mongoloid. Um, yes, is I remember. Album, uh, which was great. Um, so yeah, that was, and just since then, uh, I've always always loved him. And then obviously you go back and you realise that Mark Mothersborough, who's you know, he's a composer now and he did like the Rugrats theme, all This stuff, um, and he's done tons of stuff now, so he's like, you know, yeah, gone on to become a real success he's in his own right. A he's a prolific alive as well, didn't we, Dan? Yeah, we saw them live they were all like still alive. Um, that was quite a while ago now, was yeah. Was that yeah, like you know, over Shepherds 10 Bush, years ago, it? Bush yeah. Um, and it, I remember we were thinking it's really weird because we're like, <laughs> there's those like young kids all like dressed up, and we're just like, how do they even know? who (laughs) devote who devote heart like they've not released anything in about 20 years or whatever Um, but yeah this was just before they they started working on a new album Um, so yeah uh, big fan really and this album specifically specifically uh, was something that was the kind of first proper album I heard of theirs so it's a a good one to discuss
3: yeah and I feel the same really I think through your listening to them is how I was then introduced to Hearing their music, until then they were just a name and one photo in a Nirvana book, I think.
1: <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, in their yellow suits, uh, and yeah, red hats, whatever. It's like who the fuck are these guys? And yeah, I loved it as well. Um, this
3: album still. Sometimes I think, oh, maybe Freedom of Choice is their best. Um, I think they're both. I think they're both really, really good. It depends slightly which way your bread is buttered. This is the slightly yeah. more guitar orientated, you know, noisier, more new wavey one. Uh, Freedom of Choice, a little poppier. Um mm. but great albums. And yeah, this one maybe it's the most enduring, and maybe it's a little bit more solid across the whole uh, track listing. It's a really
1: consistent record, um, and there's really nothing else quite like it. Yeah, I think that's the thing as well. It's like even uh, before and since, there's just they just have their own sound and it's just not been like no one else has done it. It's completely unique in its own right. And I think it's, you know, it's difficult to kind of place it. Um, and it's just weird that it just shows how unique and amazing and incredible they are as artists. The fact that there is literally no one else, <laughs> or that we know of, or that it's a success or has done it as well. Um, that does this kind of like, sound, which I guess like, how would you describe it? It's like electro synth, like weird, it's like weird electro, if that makes sense. It's like these have really heightened dramatic vocals, but like, yeah, it's still got that kind of punk new wave aesthetic. It's all like live instruments. It's all like guitar, live guitar, live drums, whatever, that kind of thing. Um, and it's just a bit stupid and silly and juvenile. Um, but at the same time, not <laughs> um, yeah. There's still really
3: some. Midway. I think you know. There's a, a cynical bent to them, um, mm. and through that, you know, demeanour, and they've often been interpreted as being silly or novelty. But but it kind of masks a serious point. I think, and you know, Devo are a band with a lot of uh, deep concepts um, and a lot of sort of like mythology that they've built up within their own kind of like within the band. Um, Mm. And even at this point, their first album, you know, they'd been around for five years and they built up a lot of these like strange characters and ideas. Um, And some of that's kind of uh, here, but it's really impenetrable. I think it takes a lot of time. And I think that's kind of what appealed to me initially when I was first getting into them is that they reference a lot of these things and you think, hang on, what's that? How would you know about that? Mm. Um, So they're one of those bands that you can kind of like, you get a little hint that there's something more, um, and then
1: there's a lot to kind of like explore in their backstory. Yeah. It's also just generally really experimental. Um, and you'd get a bit of that, you know, on this album. But yeah, as you said, this kind of feels more like a like punky kind of rock, yeah. as you said guitar based kind of record, but still with hints of um experimental stuff. Um and yeah, it's crazy. It's also one of those things that like I thought watching them live, um, both when we actually saw them live physically, and also if you go back and watch their old live gigs, just like, it's still incredible. It like works really well live in a way that you don't really think about when you listen to it. Um, Yeah. as an album. Yeah, no, they're an amazing band at
3: this point in terms of the live show. Um, But we'll come to that a bit later. Um, So, Mm. guys, we're going to talk about the album. We're going to also talk about the lead-up to the album, some of the music they released in 1977, um, their whole signing with uh, Warner Brothers and Virgin Records, uh, a little bit about the recording of the album. Then we're going to give you our thoughts track by track and mm-hmm. uh, wrap up with some good old Nerds Corner where we talk about some of the specific releases.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: So yeah. just to lay the groundwork here for the people who don't know anything about the band, mm-hmm. I'm not going to go too much into the early years, because that is a whole, like I said, five-year era that's really distinct. Um, but basically they were formed in 1973 in Akron, Ohio. Initially it kind of like a performing arts act. Um, Jerry, the uh, bassist, kind of came up with the de-evolution concept with a guy called Bob Lewis, and they were basically art students. Um, And then they brought in Mark, Mark Mothersball. um, And their first gig was kind of like as a performing arts sort of thing uh, called Sextet Devo um, with a couple (laughs) of other guys who, they only did this one performance and then they're kind of out of the uh, picture. But they were as as much interested, I think, in, you know, the conceptual aspect, the art aspect at this point, um, Mm -hmm. as they were in the music, and they come up with this idea of de-evolution, which is basically the idea that people in society is actually devolving. It's not progressing. It's getting worse. It's all bound yep. up with kind of the cynicism, I think, of the early 70s, you know, coming out of the hippie era. Um, they were there. Jerry specifically was there at the Kent State University shootings. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, and some, some of the people that died, he was friends with. Is um, this? So he said at that point, that was when the concept really kind of got some traction with him and they started mining it seriously. And even though it's kind of, you know, silly and Dada-esque, they were actually Mm. trying to make a serious point about modern corporate America and fascism. Right. Yeah. Um, Also in that de-evolution concept, you know, there's a lot of stuff about sex. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot of stuff about how... Man is a kind of an anomaly in the animal kingdom because of his obsession, his uncontrollable urge to have sexual acts performed. Um, And it's all bound up with some ideas around uh, monkeys, basically. And that's why we get a lot of monkey stuff in the lyrics. Anyway, so that's like the, the basis of the kind of band's concept. And like I said... Over the years, they had lots of offshoots of like a mythology around
1: this. Um, but it's yeah. also like just fun. That's what take away from it as well. Yeah. It's just fun music for the most part, as well.
3: Yeah. I mean, all um, of that, that, that serious stuff and the imagery, they then were able to present it in a way that's just quite, yeah, appealing, I think. Mm. Like, even if you don't know all that background, you know, the costumes, the instrumentation. Yeah. It all comes off. But when you know like the background of it and like the way they developed and evolved the sound or devolved the sound, again, all of that was meant to be part of the concept. Yeah. Um, they started with um, another, so you had kind of the core lineup eventually became Mark Mothersbaugh and his brother, Bob, who I yeah. think it was Bob One. And you had right. Jerry and his his brother Bob, who was Bob too. and eventually they had right. Alan on the drums, but originally mm. they had Jim Mother's Ball, who was the youngest brother,
4: and he okay. actually
3: built his own electronic drum kit, so yeah. initially you had this like really weird, really weird like proto synth sound you know gotta think this is this is before punk as well, yeah, um. So really strange stuff they were doing. But by the time we got to 1976, you know, they had a proper drummer, slightly more conventional sound. Yeah. Um, and like I said, I think I think there's a bit of influence of the punk scene and specifically New Wave starting to play places like CBGBs.
1: Yeah. They've got um, that energy still as well. Like it feeds into it. And so by that point, you know, they were actually starting
3: to make a few waves. They made a film in 1976 called The Beginning Was The End. Right. Or was it, The sorry, The Complete Truth, maybe, about the evolution. I can't remember which one it is. Anyway, they okay. made a, they made this film and that got a lot of attention and that's when they really started, you know, they were gigging more, like New York, LA. And I think the industry started circling them, specifically Neil Young um, and Iggy Pop. Okay. And Iggy Pop sent a demo tape to David Bowie.
1: Right.
3: And then David Bowie, this is like 1977 now, he even Mm. went on stage when they played, I think it was like Max's Kansas City, and like introduced them and said, I'm going to be producing their album. Yeah, Bowie got really excited and thought, "Yeah, this is the future of music." (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Um, but yeah, what happened was he had other commitments. He was really busy around this time. I think he was off filming like a movie, right? So he basically palmed them off onto Brian Eno,
1: right? Um, His mate as well.
3: Yeah. So Eno, at that point, obviously they've been working on their like you know, Low and Heroes and Lodger and all this. Mm. so that was kind of how they came from the underground to you know over over many years tweaking becoming i suppose a little bit more conventional and palatable Mm. and just like networking and getting their getting their name out there and eventually yeah that was it coming to the prominence like coming to the attention of iggy pop bowie and eno um it's a
1: pretty big deal yeah (laughs) three really influential guys Certainly, you're not even released an album yet. So at that
3: point, they had released a few singles, though. Um, the first of which was "Mongoloid," and let's yeah. hear a little bit of that. So in 1977, uh, they set up their own little record label called Boogie Boy Records.
5: Hmm.
3: Um. Boogie Boy. Any thoughts on Boogie Boy, Sam?
1: Yeah. Well, he's the only thing. I know you say about how they built out of this world and stuff, but he is one of the most memorable parts of it. Um, I should say that his whole character stuff, which is. Very, it's kind of Lynchian in the fact that it's all like happy America, but it's just really creepy and dark and horrible <laughs> underneath. Um, mm. For those who think, describe it, yeah, absolutely, yeah.
3: For those who don't know, it's it's Mark Mothersbaugh in a weird baby mask, singing in a very high pitch. Um, yeah, and usually doing strange things. It's like giant infants in a. I think when they had him play, he was often in a playpen off to the side.
1: So horrible. Yeah,
3: Um, it's weird and creepy. (laughs) So they named their record label after him, and yeah, they put out Mongoloid backed with Jocko Homo as their first single. And what an amazing, in my opinion, initial like statement of their intent and sound. Yeah, it's great on the nose. Those two songs, um, I mean, I think, you know, when it came to the album, obviously they were re-recorded later for the album, but they are two, two of the best, two of like the, the linchpins of their whole catalogue, I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I always, um, even, I remember hearing, uh, not too long ago, like a acoustic version of Jocko Homo as well and thinking, ah, this still works yeah. even though it shouldn't as an acoustic song, um, Yeah, fantastic. Uh, It's one of the the best, one of the best Evo tracks, really. First time I remember Jocko Homo um,
3: was hearing it, like in probably the whole place, and just being absolutely shocked. Like, (laughs) (laughs) there aren't that many times in your life where you really hear a new sound, you know, that's completely alien to anything you've heard before. Yeah. And I just remember thinking it's just got no, it's just got nothing that i'm used to hearing in a song mm. like the way it met, plays around with like it's really there's something really unappealing about it yeah like, and they used to play these really long they say like 15 minute versions of it just to like antagonize the audience which go <laughs> on and on and on brilliant um, grinding almost kind of sound um but we'll we'll, we'll come to it have a uh, more of a discussion around that one when we get to the okay. album track list. Because yeah. I think it's really important. It's like their their banner song, really. Um, yeah. yeah, definitely one of them at least. So then also in 1977, they put out their cover of I Can't Get Me No Satisfaction mm-hmm.
1: backed with uh, Sloppy. Yeah. I don't, I'm not, I mean, we can go into this, yeah. but um I always like this version of Satisfaction um, because it's weird and it's purposefully like almost obtuse. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I always go to quit Sappy because of Nirvana. <laughs> um, it always confuses me. Uh, sloppy, <laughs> Slappy, Slip Slops. Um, yeah, it's kind of like a, it's the last track, right, on the track listening to the album. Um, Nearly. And it's, near the last track near the bottom and I'm always just a bit like yeah give or or take it so I probably wouldn't have been too enthused let's say as if this was the next (laughs) single if I'm (laughs) coming at it fresh we won't linger on that one then um
3: (laughs) so at that point yeah like I say Bowie got involved and yeah palmed them off onto Eno but at this point they don't have a record deal so it's quite unusual but Eno basically stumped up the costs to produce this album. That's how committed he was. Um, And basically decided to record it in Germany. So actually in, I think early, sorry, not early, late 77, October 1977, they did record Come Back Johnny and Shrivel Up. Um, in mm-hmm. San Francisco with a guy called Patrick Gleason, Um, and, but they later sort of overdubbed those in Germany, but essentially, yeah, the main recording sessions for the album took place in February of 1978 at Connie Planks in Cologne, uh, at that point, West Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, and as well as paying for the studio time, um, they also managed to convince Warner Brothers to get involved. And Warner Brothers agreed to basically pay to like ship all their gear to Germany for the recording. Um, under the understanding that they would have first refusal on the album. Right. Okay. So yeah, all looks like it's all gonna be peachy. <laughs> um and so Yeah, at this point, again, even though Bowie said like he couldn't produce the album, apparently he kept popping in. Right. So what's quite interesting is to like think about his involvement here because i read some stuff with the band and they basically said he did actually provide quite a lot of like vocals. Apparently he's in there on Uncontrolled Blurge. Oh, really? Yeah. That's cool. Um, but this like production, it didn't go really all that well. It didn't really quite go to plan. You know, if you think about Eno at this point, you know, he's been working with Talking Heads, Bowie, and he very mm. much brings the Eno sound to everything. And Devo really resisted this. Like, they had their sound, They developed it for five years, and they were like, "This." Mm-hmm. they just wanted the album, I think, to kind of sound how they sounded live. Right. So Eno's coming up with all these, like, tape loops and ambient synth stuff. And Jerry said, apparently, they rejected almost all of it. I think he right. said, I think he said, like, there's some stuff on maybe like four songs. It was like they were even, uh, they'd be in the control room and Eno would be like, I've done this. And then just before they went to like dub it all down, Devo would just just mute it. <laughs> <laughs> like, actually in yeah. front of him as well. So apparently it was like a, quite a confrontational kind of uh, oh,
1: fucking hell session. Yeah. Well, I think it. It. I like the urgency and the directness of the sound, without yeah too much ambient wank kind of surrounding it. It's interesting to imagine though,
3: like what would have a, a really truly Eno produced Devo album have sounded like? Um, we'll never know. We will. We'll never know <laughs> unless they like actually Came back. if they dug out. They could, yeah, they could actually. That'd be great actually if they did a collaboration with Eno. Now, like, we're gonna we're gonna set it right. Um but they could right. go back and find all this stuff. Apparently, all the tapes exist for some of these parts recorded, and they could remaster it and do like one with like more Eno and Bowie on it. That would be sure? fascinating.
4: All yeah, the Bowie fans would
3: buy it. Jesus. Yeah, well, now, yeah, especially.
1: Um yeah any any other thoughts on like the general sound of this album? Um not really not nothing it's yeah as i said it's still a bit uh experimental and strange um and i like the sounds that they use i mean this isn't necessarily about um this particular album or whatever but i would say it's a good i think it's a good introductory like album for people to see. Cause that's the thing, like when, I guess yeah. like for when people say Devo, people think of like Whip It and all this stuff, which yeah, I get great. Um, but this is like the, the, I would say the most accessible record to um, people who, to normal people. I don't know if that makes sense. Cause you <laughs> might listen to Whip It and be like, it's this weird, like, pop synth thing. And then it's like, well, they're kind of more like a yeah, post-punk kind of new wave band. Listen to this. And I think it's a better, as you said, it's kind of a more um, solid album. I'm never going to get into it, but it has, um, I think, there's just better writing behind it. And stuff like Whip It, as much as I love it, and it's great. It's purposefully, like, quiet. Um, simple and perfunctory and all this stuff whereas Mm. a lot of the tracks on here feel like a little bit more like loved (laughs) or something Um, and I feel like it's more of a true reflection of the Devo sound that I really like more so than tracks like Whip It or whatever
3: yeah and also some of these songs were so uh, worn in by this point they'd lived with these songs for years Um, I think as well like Whip It, and that album, Freedom of Choice. Obviously, it's a popular album, but to people's ears now, it probably sounds very dated. Um, yeah. Uh, whereas this, you know, because it's more guitar heavy, it's kind of like a almost timeless kind of sound. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Mm. It's aged a little bit better, maybe. Mm. Um. After the sessions, on their way back to the States, they dropped into the UK for a little tour. Why not? And they inked a deal with Stiff Records. Mm -hmm. I don't know, like, the timing of this, but basically Stiff um, released in the UK the previous singles, uh, Mongoloid and Satisfaction. And to support this tour, they put out two of the songs that had just been recorded. Okay. Be Stiff... Backed Mm -hmm. with social fools Let's hear a bit of Be Stiff
1: Think of these two songs. Yeah, um, Be Stiff always sticks out uh, more, in my opinion. Um, I didn't realise that uh, uh, anything about the Stiff Records thing. So, is that in? Is that just coincidence? I wonder if they
3: specifically. Yeah, I wonder how that came about. I mean, Be Stiff as a Devo song had been around for a long time mm-hmm. in their repertoire, so they certainly didn't write it and produce it for Stiff. But I can imagine they went, "Hey, we've got this song. <laughs> do you want to? Yeah. Do you want to distribute us?" But by that point, you know they were they were hot. They were being talked about in the industry, and stiff, being as they are, you know, interested in at that point cutting edge punk new wave stuff. I think it became something of an anthem for the label. Okay, sure. just a, a happy accident and a marriage made in heaven. Made in heaven. Made in Devo heaven.
1: Um, yeah, what do you think about it?
3: I like it, but you know, the version that's on the live recording that mm-hmm. uh, you mentioned is twinned on that compact disc. Mm. I think it's a bit more developed. It's got another part to it. This version yeah. is quite, I don't know, it's quite repetitive. It doesn't really go anywhere. I can't remember the difference, but okay. It's quite strange in a way. I much prefer Social Fools. I think that's a really Mm. good one. I'd have put that on the bloody album.
1: Yeah, it's a cool song.
3: What I like about it is, um, compared to some of the other stuff, it makes quite a direct, I think, like social commentary, um, which obviously then feeds into like like Freedom of Choice and all this. Mm. It's about, um, if you listen to society's fools, then you become society's tools. You'll mm. obey, then disobey, you'll disobey, but then you'll obey. Yeah. Um, so, like, nice. yeah. It's quite strange to find them making such direct statements.
1: Mm. Yeah, um, it's quite a fun a little ditty. Well. It is indeed. Yeah. It's
3: quite straight-up quite,
1: quite an enjoyable one. Um, so, yeah, because that's on the... Uh, like a compilation, the double album, if you will, between this and Devo Live. Um, But was this just at the end of the Devo Live album? Because I see that um, uh, it's obviously not on um, the original, Question Are We Not Men, Answer We Are Devo. Um, But was this on the Devo Live album then, or did they just kind of stick it on this compilation, I guess is what I'm asking, or do you not know? I don't think it's on the original live.
3: That live thing's a mini album. I think it's six tracks.
1: Right. So they must have stuck these because they've got Penetration in the Centrefold and Sue Bowles yeah. um, on it as not well. All... So they must have added this as an extra from there, which makes sense now that you're saying that it's a, um, uh, it kind of all got released um, around that time. They've probably just stuck it as a little.
3: Yeah. And actually thing, that version extra. of Social Fools that you're thinking about on there is a later recording. It's not this yeah. one.
1: Yeah, um, and as we found out, there's an even earlier, he's even earlier a one. different version. <laughs> yeah, she's yeah. a lot different. Um, yeah, uh, cool couple of tracks. So during this uh, UK visit as well,
3: they met up with Richard Branson, the wow. head honcho of Virgin in the UK, and they don't have a lot of good things to say about Richard
1: Branson. No, um, I think many people do.
3: But he basically he offered them a deal, and they were well they they accepted it. Um, so this caused a lot of problems basically between Devo and Warner. Richard Branson said, "Don't worry about it. You know we'll sort it all out." I suppose like any any you know, legal issues yeah. and blah blah blah. And right. they said we shouldn't ever listen to him. <laughs> <laughs> he probably said, bad. "Yeah, this happens all the time." Um, to be fair, they only seem to have like a handshake, not handshake, it's the verbal agreement with Warner brothers. Right. But, but, uh, yeah, apparently it basically that, that poisoned the relationship from the beginning and led to the band basically being carved up between Warner in the U S and Japan and, um, Virgin in Europe. Right. Um, around this time as well, this is good. Do you know what happened? January 1978, a big band broke up. Okay. Any ideas?
1: Yeah. Sex Pistols. Okay, right. So, apparently... Did you know um, Did you know they're doing, Danny Boyle is doing a fucking film on them or something called, I think it's just called Pistols or something like that.
3: No, I haven't heard about
1: that. Yeah, I'm you, not looking forward to it, but sorry. Have you ever seen the great rock and roll swindle? I did but like many a moon ago. Um, so I can't remember anything about oh, yeah. it. I've got this it. This is my... when I like gone. I've got it on my list of stuff to watch soon. Right. This is when I went through like a real it only lasted for about a hot five minutes, but I went through like a massive Sex Pistols um phase. Uh um but I quickly came out of it. <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> like I, I still enjoy Sex Pistols and whatever, and obviously for what they were at the time, blah blah blah. But um, yeah, it's there wasn't this uh, wealth of you know great stuff that um, uh, uh, yeah people might might think there was. Um,
3: yeah,
1: sorry, yeah. I think people like them more for what they stood for and their aesthetic than the actual music itself, maybe. Yeah, well, they That's were kind of like anyway. one of the first, uh, well, not one of the first, but what people forget is that, they, you know, they were still they were a boy band in the sense of the word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Set up <laughs> to, uh, set up, like didn't know each other, all just, not not really good looking, but like all people of a certain look put together Psst. to kind of go up, push the charts, reflecting the youth of the day. Um, yeah, they weren't like how people think of punk is like, you know, we're in it for the. You know, we're just some mates trying to smash in some instruments about. Um, blah blah blah. It was like, no, no, they were they were used to push Vivian Westwards. Yeah. <laughs> in the um, Yeah.
3: That was that was it really. That is the thing about punk is it was totally manufactured, and most of the people involved in it were like puppets of people that was like sort of like ten or fifteen years older than them that were kind of like orchestrating the whole thing.
1: Yeah. And then he got this just the whole attitude of like, you know, I saw them on TV and I thought, wow, I could do that, and I went out and did it, um which is great and brilliant, um which is kind of like the whole ethos of punk, but it is quite strange that, yeah, that's all it is it it more it didn't create it, it more inspired more of a punk movement than punk itself, yeah. in a weird way. Um, Anyhow,
3: Devo, apparently they saw, (laughs) they saw that last show, that famous show where they announced that they were breaking up, Right? Uh, was it the Winter Garden I think, anyway that was, that was January and so I don't know when this was, a little bit after that initial meeting with Richard Branson, the band are back in the States and apparently they got a call from Richard Branson saying, I'm in Jamaica, I want you to fly down, come and meet me. Right. So <laughs> apparently, um, only Mark and one of the Bobs went. Right, and apparently, like Richard Branson was in his like really amazing plush, like house that he'd rented. Um, and apparently they went down there. He got them really high, and. <laughs> <laughs> Gave them the whole sales spiel, you know, it's going to be great. And then he apparently said to them, guys, in the uh, room next door, I've got some journalists from the NME. And in the room next to them, I've got some journalists from the Melody Maker. And in the room next to them, I've got Johnny Rotten. And basically we're (laughs) going to go out and we're going to announce to the press that Johnny Rotten is the new singer of Devo what this is real this is true yeah this is true so yeah that's that was going to be his big i suppose like big splash for like promoting and pushing devo but, fucking um,
1: hell
3: he's literally saying it to mark who is
1: you know the front man of the band <laughs> uh. that's so weird were they actually there though, or was this just Branson talking shit? Was there actually like a press waiting there? Was Johnny Rotten actually there waiting? Do you know what?
3: I can't remember that detail of the story. I have to go That's back right. and read it again.
1: I think they were though. I, I
3: don't think it was Johnny
1: like Rotten, a. Yeah, be like going over
3: there. Yeah, I wonder if there's any interviews from Johnny Rotten actually talking about this. That'd be really good. Yeah, it would be funny. He's, um, uh,
1: he's been a bit more outspoken these days isn't he um a bit more outspoken well yeah, it's <laughs> in like he went a bit quiet didn't he for a while oh I see and then uh, with like trump came out as like a supporter of trump um and all this stuff which surprised obviously a lot of because obviously people associate associating with the punk and anti establishment and anti you know tory basically and then he's just given his support to like a right wing um politician or you know however you want to call him. Um, and a lot of people got a bit upset by, by it. Um, but at the same time, like, it's quite funny because yeah, I was reading this interview with him and he was saying how, like, his wife is, like, really ill because he married an older woman mm-hmm. um, in the end. And uh, she's, like, but dementia or something and all this stuff. And he's just basically, like, having to, like, look after her. And you just think, that's quite nice, but at the same time, he's insane. <laughs> I, I, I was like, because he did Celebrity Get Me Out of Here. And I was like, God, I was like, he was so old. And that was like 10 years ago or something. He was on that. Um, <laughs> so he's even older, but uh, yeah, I just can't imagine him as the singer of Devo. So weird. Just completely, just shows just uh, absolutely not understanding your band or the, you know, the art you're creating. Um, just don't care. Especially it's like when they like, look at my swanky pad it's like, to, you know, to anyone with half a fucking brain, it's like, going. Here's how I'm going to squeeze every single <laughs> bit of money from you. Um, yeah, to pay to, for all this. Yeah, to pay for this exactly. Like, you know, it's totally, funny because you know, if
3: you, if you see the films, so then I think like the next year or later that year, they made this film, the Men Who Make the Music. Have you seen that? Right. No. There's these skits where they go to Big Entertainment, which is like their record label, and right. there's this guy called Rod Reuter, who's like their manager A&R guy. And all of like how his offices look and the way he talks makes me think of this like episode with uh, Richard Branson.
1: Right. I'm not surprised.
3: I'm sure that's yeah, who no, they're lampooning. Uh, they're
1: really good, those uh, clips. The Men Who Make The Music. I've um, got a couple of stories of Richard Branson actually myself filming in. Yeah. They're not like amazing, but um within I would say like the space of a couple of months, I bumped into Richard Branson twice. <laughs> Once. Whereas, were you were you was, on virgin flights? What that was one of them. I was on a virgin <laughs> flight to Hong Kong where I was meeting my mate Sai, if you remember when he was doing his traveling, went out to Hong Kong, right? Yeah. On the flight over, there was hardly anyone on the flight, and I remember um, the Tannoy announcer like being like really like, chatty and upbeat, and I thought oh, that's strange. I don't think I'd ridden Virgin before, and then all of a sudden, like Richard Branson comes out and he's like shaking everyone's hand and going round, um, and I could see him. I mean, I, I was like a you know a big hot mess basically especially after like a, whatever it was a 12 hour flight and i saw him look at me and he basically decided not to shake my hand and he went off and sh- <laughs> <laughs> wow and because i was just like well i'm just some kid aren't i like <laughs> um and then a few weeks later and this is what's weird is that i was in uh, kensington high street um going into the uh station um and he was standing there shaking hands. he was getting on the tube basically and he was shaking hands with um which I thought was weird anyway, with some just passers-by whatever. And I clocked him and he clocked me and I thought, I, I reckon he recognises me. <laughs> I reckon he's looked uh, at me with that same disdain from before <laughs> and he's had exactly the same reaction. Um, uh, and uh, that's, that's my Richard Branson story. Do you think he felt like a twinge of disgust that he's never felt
3: before in his life? Yeah. And then he went, I've only... And and then when he saw you the second time, he thought, I've only ever felt that once in my life, and it was when I saw that horrible, sweaty man. Yes, maybe. Yeah, and here he is. (laughs) (laughs) Just trying to get the tube. It's like Spidey Um, sense. Sammy sense.
1: My Sammy (laughs) sense is tingling. Only for Richard. Anyways, between me and Richard Branson. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that was weird. Um, but yeah, I don't really hold him in very high regard, put it that way. Well, no, not after that. Maybe third time's the charm, term. Maybe
3: next Imagine. time he'll embrace
1: you. Oof. <laughs> no, thanks. Give me <laughs> some money. Just give me some money and go away. That's that's how these things work. Right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you're going cool, to start Branson. working street corners. Is that what you're talking about? No. <laughs> what are you talking about? No. Not again. That was done. Uh, Yeah, when um, I say Kensington High Street, I mean like behind the Brixton Academy. That's what I meant, or something. (laughs) Not that that's an actual place where. Yeah, so let's move on anyway. So um, I think um, I mean this
3: just shows, like like Branson, like his his kind of mindset at the time. He was doing all these quite strange, outside the box, like marketing and publicity ploys. I think Mm. to get attention on Virgin. Yeah, Um, like one thing they did. After signing the band, before the album came out, um, this thing, (laughs) a seven-inch single, um, came out on Elevator Records. And it's spoken about now, no one's quite 100% sure, but people think it was actually put out by Virgin, made to look like a bootleg, just to generate a bit of hype and excitement around the band. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, I'd really like to get a copy. It's Mechanical Man, oh,
1: right, Yeah, um,
3: which is an old hardcore track. It's on mm. It's on the compilation. It's Mechanical Man, uh, an early version of Blockhead, which okay. is on their second album.
1: Mm.
3: Something called Blackout, I can't remember what that is. Didn't they? Um, and Auto Mow Down, which is another sort of like hardcore era. Don't
1: um,
3: know that. but yeah, that's just quite an interesting little, little release. Um, right. Should we hear a little bit of Mechanical Man? The album finally came out on the 8th of August, 1978. Um, it peaked at number 78 in the US on the Billboard chart. But in the UK, it got to number
1: 12. Mechanical, man. No, the got album. got to number 12. The album. Oh, sorry, right. <laughs> I was thinking that's insane. It's not, <laughs> it's not that good. No, right. the album.
3: So I was quite surprised to read that just now, because when we got into the band... They were by no means still remembered or known in the mainstream. They felt mm. like a very underground band. Yeah. But yeah, it got to number twelve, their first album, I suppose because of all yeah. that promotion. Virgin Richard Benson did his did his work. And did indeed. Worked. Um and they did a lot, like they put out five, no, more than five. It's like seven or eight different coloured pressings of it as well. All these kind of things to like hype it up and get the sales moving. Nice.
1: Um, What do you think, Sam, about the title and the cover? Well, if we're going but it's funny because the cover I was associated with is the alternative European cover, which is like him in a um, doctor's coat with some gloves on, uh, like looking into a vat or something as if he's just like created you or something like that. Um, So that's what I was associated with. But then the actual album cover, I remember seeing like around, if that makes sense, but I didn't know what it, what it was or if it was just some promotional image, not realizing until it's actually, um, yeah, actually the album cover, which I really like actually. He looks like familiar now. Um, I'm trying to think of, uh, an actor that he, he reminds me of. Um, and I'll try and think of that as we're, as we're talking because it's going to okay. really annoy me, but I like the <laughs> whole, like, it looks a bit like fifties, it's yeah. super colourful. It's uh, you know, the fact that it's like a golf ball or whatever, like middle class kind of like humdiggity America with like yeah. this kind of like all American guy um staring back at you. Um, the Devo, that classic jumbled up thing which they kept, obviously. Um oh, that logo. Out. Mm. Yeah, it's great. And then, out. Um yeah. And the fact that it's not, you know, it's just, from that, you'd get the, the album title. It's just a question, are we not men? Um, and yeah, I don't know, like, what to, I don't know what I'm supposed to get take from it, <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> um, because I guess, like, I, it's ingrained in my head as an image, as a Devo image. Uh, so I can't really see it objectively. But I think if I'm, like, I'm looking at it now, and, like the question are we not men thing is kind of scribbled on it. So the fact that I wonder if it's like um having that man like play, having like a kind of golf ball with this guy inside it or whatever, as if like that's, that's what we've become like as men or something like that. Yeah. Like these fucking golfers or um whatever. Like, are we like, are we not men? <laughs> like, is this what we do now? Um, yeah. Maybe. Uh, yeah, yeah, but I don't I've only just thought about that now, basically trying to look at it objectively because just forever I've just been like, it's just a Devo face, like a <laughs> All American kind of face.
3: I imagine that's what they kind of saw in the image when they selected it. Um, so it's actually a picture of a golfer um, called Juan Chichi Rodriguez. Mm. Um that they found on a on a golf strap. Um and they liked it for whatever reason, but I think probably for the reason that you've you've suggested. Right. Um but apparently when they gave it to uh Warner Brothers, um the basically they hit the image and said we want that for the album cover. Um a chap called David Berman, who was the senior vice president there, um was was a golf fan and said, No, you're making fun of Chi Chi <laughs> <laughs> so you can't <laughs> you can't use it Brilliant. um, um yeah. they basically said like we'll we'll get permission from from chi Chi. um but at that point, they' were under time constraints to get it all pressed, right, so what they did was they said, well, we can airbrush the face so that it's not such a clear resemblance of him right um and Mark Mothersbaugh found a composite from a newspaper where they'd morphed the faces. Of John F. Kennedy, Lyndon B. Johnson, Richard Nixon, and Gerald Ford. Wow. So what you've got there is is Chi-Chi, but it's also sort of morphed with this amalgam of like U.S. presidents. Try to face it.
1: So <laughs> really working for me, but okay.
3: Yeah. So I mean, you don't really, yeah, you don't get that when you just look at it, but really, there's mm. like a synthesis of, yeah, like American Americana, fifties mm. Americana. Mm. With some sort of like cynical uh, I suppose political statement going on in there. Um funnily enough, Chi Chi did give give his permission eventually. Oh. But by then it was too late.
1: Too um, late, Chi Chi.
3: But if you look at the cover of the B Stiff single, that's got the original Chi Chi image on it. Oh really? Yeah. yeah just uh, look at that while she keeps
1: talking. That's interesting.
3: Um in the UK, in Europe, like you say, that version that we're familiar with, with Mark leaning down. I like what you said, like as if we've just been
1: born and he's <laughs> reaching yeah. down to help us up. So um, weird. Is it from a music video or something?
3: Yeah, so it's from the film that I, I mentioned earlier, um, which I keep forgetting the name of. Right. Is it um, The Truth About the, the Evolution? England.
1: Right. I I'm think. just looking at that Chi thing, by the way. Yeah, I can see. Yeah, and they've kind of squiffed it a little bit. <laughs> he,
3: um, yeah, it's a still, basically. And on the back cover, there's a picture of them with those like horrible tights over their faces. And I don't know why Virgin decided to take these images from that film, but I actually think it's really cool. Right. I think I prefer it to the American cover, even though that's obviously like the, the, more, the more iconic.
1: Yeah, I prefer the American one. It's just oh. a bit more bolder, makes more of a statement. the other one does it doesn't I'm just like what is it? <laughs> it also <laughs> like it kind of comes at me like it's a bit too wacky, um yeah, or it's like some like weird electronic German thing or something like that, which is not what it actually is um yeah, it doesn't i like the i like the bold bright yellow bright colors of the um yeah, the American one. I have to say, personally, fair enough. Most
3: people do. Um, the <laughs> title <laughs> um, is from a film called Island of Lost Souls. Have you seen that?
1: <sighs> the name rings a bell.
3: It's a 30s... thirties one.
1: Um, yeah, there's that. Oh god, it's that book, and it got made into a film, and it's set in a prison. And that's it. it, it Island of Doctor Moreau. Something. Uh, Thinking no, of something I else? Thinking of, <laughs> no, I was thinking of something else completely. No, I was thinking of there's a um I'm basically mixing up everything. There's a book that part of it is these two gay guys in prison and one of them describes all these old movies to the other one. And I think one of them was the Island of Lost Souls. Another one is cat people, I think. Um yeah. and all this. Uh and that book got made into a film which had, um, uh, and I forget, his name. <laughs> I forget his name, I've forgotten everyone's name, um, he won an Oscar, basically, uh, for the portrayal in the film. So I'm just going around in circles. But yeah, I, is it Island of Dr. Moreau? Is that what this is supposed to be from? Because I know that, and that um, that's a, uh, if you, do you know the story of that film, the one with Marlon Brando, Island of Dr. Moreau? No. I think Fal Kilmer's in it as well. Yeah, with the director. I, I haven't seen it, so it went through hell for ages. It's often a real tangent, but I always find it quite funny. Um I like hell to like make the director basically got kicked off the shoot and came back <laughs> dressed as an extra um, <laughs> to see the rest of the shoot as it happened. Wow. Um The it's one of those films that has an absolutely insane. Like obviously it's got Brando in it and he's only in Val Kilmer. He's just a, known as a dick as well and all this stuff. Um, it's a really, really interesting production story, but that always made me laugh with the director getting kicked off. Uh, but it got released in That's the That's crazy. And it was an average film, to be honest. It wasn't awful. Um, so is that what Island of Lost Souls is? Island of Lost Souls is the first um, version of
3: H.G. Wells' Island of Dr. Moreau Um, With dialogue, apparently. I think there's a silent version.
4: Um,
3: So it's not a direct, you know, it's influenced by, I think. Um, But in that film, you know, he creates these subhuman type creatures. Mm -hmm. And there's this pivotal scene. Really, I think the film's great. I really like it. If you like those, like, 30s black and white RKO kind of era, horror sci-fi films, it's up there. as one of the best. Um, But yeah, there's this scene where they all kind of, like, break out and they're all there, like, chanting, um, are we not men? They do, like, a call and response right. thing. Okay. They're going, are that's we cool. not men? And they go, we are, I don't know if they say we are Devo. Devo. <laughs> they say we are We are men, I think, or something. Right, yeah. But that's where they got that call and response chant that they would use in Jocko Homo. Um, and you can see why, like, that would appeal to them. Like, this is it. Like, they came up with that central premise of de-evolution, and they just take things and like graft it to it. So they must have seen that, you know, this idea of these like subhuman mutants who are kind of like an underclass. They're devolving, but they're also asserting their
1: humanity, right? Um, that's cool. That's It's yeah. that's that's quite a nice way of thinking of it. Um, that's funny. Funny enough that so i I was just as I was looking at whilst we were talking there's a documentary on that Island of Dr Moreau thing, which I'm I'm going to seek out now, which is in 2014. It was made called Lost Soul, the Uh tomb journey of Richard Stanley's Island of Dr Moreau. Um, Yeah. It's apparently insane. Um, But yeah, that's a good, uh, it's a good title. Um, Are We Not Men? We Are Devo. It's a good lyric as well. Yeah.
3: (laughs) So Sam, I think it's time to have a chat about these songs. Mm. Um, The album kicks off with... Uncontrollable Urge.
1: Trouble, Edge. It's got great. Got got Surge. It's it's brilliant. It's one of those songs that I've always wanted to do live as well, um, one day, one day. But it's uh, what a fantastic, fantastic opening track. Um, and yep. just every time, every time I stick this album on or whatever, I that. Like, I'm just like, yes, I'm back in <laughs> straight away. Love it yeah. from the from the get go, from the absolute get go. Um, and It's you know, such an exciting like well. one. It is, yeah. And I'm, I'm always like, I enjoy the builds, and the releases, and all that. And Devo's got a few of those anyway. But this is like pure, yeah, just pure um, build and release. Um, what great. about that quirky vocal as well? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, I mean. yeah, 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 yeah,
3: yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, it's insane. And you, and it's one of those things where it's like you've not heard that. Like, what is this? You've not heard it before. You don't know what's kind of going on. These bunch of like geeky looking guys <laughs> as well. Um, yeah. And it's like as if it does feel like a, almost like a performance art, but at the same time it is catchy as hell. Yeah. Um, it's just a real great, just like general rock song. Um, love it. It's brilliant. It's one Lyrically, of my favorite tracks of like, let alone Devo of like ever. It's great.
3: It's probably one of my favourite opening songs on an album. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, lyrically it sets out this, you know, core concern of the band, which is about how, you know, they are, or we are as humans devolved from sexually obsessed brain-eating apes.
1: <laughs> yeah.
3: And thus we have these uh, sexual urges. Um Often these are explored in quite bizarre fashions but here again it's like it's quite a direct statement of that
1: just basically saying
3: got an uncontrollable sexual urge
1: yeah i like the way he's also got it's like hype man before hype men were even a thing like i said yep yeah. he said yeah. Yeah. I said yeah yeah he said yeah, yeah um yeah just things like that just that in itself that little like one two thing yeah it's just surreal like I don't know anything like it. that's done in that way. Like it's all like, it's all like a comic. It's like as if it's animated or something. It's weird. It's like a, like not real, like a cartoon. I should say sorry. Um, the way it's like performed and everything. It's just insane. It's great.
0: And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness.
3: Second track is the cover of the Rolling Stones Satisfaction. Mm, Should you give it a listen? Sure, let's do it. Another one like Jocko Homo when I heard it for the first time my jaw dropped it was just so unlike anything I'd heard to that point Mm. um funnily enough around the same time the residents did something similar so they did a kind of like weird version of satisfaction I don't know who did it first I think I remember reading that basically neither one had been released at the time the other recorded so they couldn't have copied each other right um but their version's a bit more of like a it sounds weird but devo's one goes like extra step in terms of like genuinely deconstructing Mm. the song and i love how they they basically like strip away all the things that like um music fans of the late 60s and 70s loved all that kind of like the flash blues rock guitar gone yeah we're just taking it down to like rhythm we're going to distort that rhythm make it so weird and strange and mechanical um and robotic yeah and in a way almost like kind of detached and aloof yeah um and then just focus you on these like lyrics that are about
1: like commerce
3: and marketing basically mm.
1: yeah. yeah it's interesting Amazing. yeah as you said it's like deconstructed yeah you know, and, like, and like built back up and it's like by a robot or something, it does feel very like mechanical and industrial. Um And yeah, it's, as you said, it takes away anything that's like cool about it. Yeah, It's purposely not being cool. They've taken like one of the coolest, you could say, like, you know, Rolling Stones tracks of all time or whatever. And they've just gone, nope, here is a very do, 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 or whatever, just like a, really like weird, yeah. simplistic. And then, you know, and I remember the, I don't remember the first time I heard this, but I remember like around the first time I heard it just being like, it's its not even, it's just a completely different song. It's not even a cover, if you know what I mean. Yeah. It's like, but yeah, it's still got, weirdly got the kind of melody, and obviously the lyrics, and it's kind of got the same cadence as well in a strange way. Yeah. Um And it's just surreal. And again, I quite like the way, It's kind of a nice little like slice of like, um, there's a word for it, I can't remember, but like a microcosm, I guess, of Devo, which is like taking songs and stuff that um, is actually quite popular or poppy or whatever mainstream and putting it through the Devo filter, but just, as you said, like remanufacturing it to be something that is almost making you aware more aware of the music itself by kind of stripping away the sheen for the most part and playing with your expectations um, and the style, totally. and all this stuff. Um, yeah, and it's, yeah, it's weird. I can't say I particularly. <clears throat> to be honest, I can't say I particularly love it. Um, I don't. I don't really like the original either. But um, no, likewise. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's like it's fine, but I for, for me here, it's more like it's doing it's there to almost make a point or something more than anything. Yeah. Um, and just to be like, you know, here's like a probably something they may have done live, I imagine. Like here's taking a rock and roll song and we're going to make a really weird cover of it. So fuck you kind of thing, <laughs> in a strange way. Um,
3: yeah, I suppose um, the replay value of this uh, is diminished. Um, and maybe that's sort of where some of the accusations of of being like a novelty, novelty comedy band kind of come in. yeah. Yeah. Um there is an inherent humour in it in how just like weird it is.
1: Mm.
3: Uh, apparently Jagger loved this. I bet he did. Cause um that's a play to
1: him, not... to like get them to approve approve <sighs> of being released. Yeah, that's the thing, like as much as I piss on the stones or whatever, I don't really, but um like I've listened to this stuff and um you know, read interviews, read Keith Richard's book and whatever and all this stuff. Um but they were they're big like music fans you can't really take that away from them mm. um like they loved their blues they loved like what people were doing right they kind of came on all yeah. the like time <laughs> But i think i can imagine like you know, jack is like an, like a very intelligent um you know well brought up young man i imagine him hearing something like this he would rather hear that than like some fucking trashy yeah. You know, just trying to sound like them, basically, kind of thing. He'd rather listen to people doing something different. Um, he probably saw dollar signs spinning in his <laughs> eyes as well. Sure. Why not? He'd, he'd have been all right by then. I mean, I think that's where, like, I want to say that's where they made most of their money, Stones, was... Devo. Um, to the song... <laughs> huh? When knows? To Devo. <laughs> to Devo, Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was uh, through uh, writing so many songs um and like yeah. letting other like Mary and faithful and all this stuff like uh, writing songs for them um i think that's what they say so it's, it's that thing isn't it like oh if you want to make real money get into like music publishing or something like that i can't yeah, remember yeah. um yeah it's interesting sorry anyway uh
3: next up praying hands
1: that one oh, i love this one as well i love the <laughs> instructional uh nature of it almost like a corporate video or something <laughs> um but the idea that it's like you're you're well i imagine what is it your left hand dilly or something like that um, while well, your left
3: hand's diddling yeah diddling is, is it so and your like, right hand goes to work
1: yeah that's right it's as if like you're you know all like work and play almost like diddling yeah. I imagine i've always associated the word have like diddling diddle as a um masturbatory thing
3: <laughs> of a childish
1: nature yeah, absolutely. um so and then you know, the other hands working like keeping up the pretense of you know of being an adult um and then you put those two hands together like these horrible there's two sides of you whatever and you've got praying hands <laughs> spiritual you know god-like thing like a higher nature or something. Um, And it's yeah, it's just interesting. But yeah, just like the way it's, uh, it's just the context of it being, (laughs) you know, this is what you do, this is how you do it, like a dance move or something like that. Um, Yeah, yeah, it's a a great track. What do you recommend? Great, a great interpretation of that that image, I think.
3: Um, Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about what you just said. You know, they've got songs down the line like um, "Watch Us Work It" and "When We Do It" and things like this. It's almost like you say, it's like such a, a reductive statement almost of like how man lives on earth. Just mm. boil it down to like basically you're just uh, carrying out a few machine like functions, by, you know, yeah. all yeah, your decisions true. and your personality. And yeah, I do. I love the whole like, okay, relax and assume the position. <laughs> yeah,
4: yeah. Um, this one's got Submission. that really cool,
3: like, new wave kind of like hi hats and stuff as well. This is like a really new wavey song.
1: Yeah, it's, a, it's a, I guess as well, like talking about the left hand, right hand could be like the political spectrum, especially if they come from an art school, like diddling, as in like doodling or drawing or whatever, but the right hand doing the work, like the more conservative, like lefty, yeah. righty kind of thing, all united under one God. Um, I'm not saying it's that, but yeah, that idea of like, you know, <laughs> political, the left, the political left and the political right. Um, well, I think capitalism definitely is there.
3: There's a lot of concern, especially in these early songs, about manufacturing and repeating. Um, you know, we get it on the next album, Smart Patrol. You know, mm. we was it. We shove the the poles in the holes.
1: Yeah, um, we shove the poles.
3: In. It's like a big gang vocal. Yeah. It. So it's like it's it's in um, like manufacturing, industrial, but it's also obviously sexual. But I think yeah, I think that's what's going on here as well. The diddling mm. hand is but is sexual. Mm. the other hand, that's kind of like got its got its hand on the pole, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's a good one. Um,
3: space junk. Let's cool. hear <laughs>
1: in two minds of this so i usually if i see it coming up i'll probably skip it and then when i start every time i start listening to it it kind of draws me in i think because i like that bang, bang, yeah. that kind of weird offbeat guitar riff that's actually quite bright and fun as it's talking about basically him killing someone <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> i guess yeah all that um, bright
1: that bright nice stuff it's got
3: like such jerky weird off-putting rhythm behind it though Mm.
1: like the vocal melody like doesn't quite fit yeah the bright this kind of like big nice kind of jangly almost like song vibrancy and then it's like you know quite monotonous vocals apart from that space junk um it's a weird interplay of melody almost. Um, But yeah, I always have just a bit like, whatever, because it's got that build up again, has that build up and he's talking about all the different places, whatever, where this space junk's gone thing from space. I love that Um, part. It's like the dramas, dramas are ratcheting up. It's like, uh, he's
3: just listing off all these weird places. Um, And his voice sort of gets manipulated a bit. I wonder if that's one of the places where they actually kept in some of Eno's stuff.
1: Maybe. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, I like the way it's like, yeah, just listing off these random towns or countries or whatever. Venezuela. Then, yeah, exactly. And again, saying it all in classic, weird, devo style. And then, yeah, that nice kind of, yeah, it goes back into that guitar riff and... Mm. Almost um, surfy. That release. Yeah, it is almost surfy. And yeah, it does feel... Uh, it's got quite a cool solo bit as well, if I remember rightly. Um, yeah. Why are you skipping so the song? It's all there. That's what I mean. It's one of those things <laughs> so I think. I'm just like, oh yeah, whatever, Space Giants. move on to the next one. But yes, if I've listened to like five seconds of it, I get pulled right back into, right back into <laughs> it again. I just think, it, I think maybe what it is, when I think about it, is that that build up, even though you said you liked it, maybe it just goes on for a little bit too long for me. Um, could possibly okay. be it maybe i mean
3: the song's only two minutes and 14 seconds <laughs> it's two though it's too... <laughs> um i really like the like lyrics as well which are kind of like this very late 50s rock and roll kind of thing like sally in the alley you know mm. sneaking sally down the alley but she's about to get hit by like a bit of uh, like um space war space junk Sp- well, yeah.
1: Cold i read war, it. space junk and that's interesting. So I read it that like he killed her and this was him just making up some excuse that like some space junk came and hit her around the head because it's just such a ridiculous, stupid yeah. thing. But because it kind of like talks about she's walking down the street and she got hit by some space junk or she was in an alley, a name of Sally whatever. And then it kind of goes off of what I said, all oh, these places, and it comes back to like the last verse or whatever coming back to, I can't remember the lyrics, I haven't got in front of me, but like coming back to like, Oh, yeah. And yeah, by the way, yeah, Sally died, but yeah, it was some junk from space. (laughs) Like, she's dead. Uh, But yeah, yeah. it's nothing to do with me. I could be reading it wrong.
3: No, maybe you're right. I'd never
1: thought of that. It's quite, um, yeah, weird. It's a bit rapey, really, in a horrible way. (laughs) Um, I guess you could look at it if you're looking at it like that. But um, Uh, yeah. On on to another one uh, with
3: a dark bent. It is Mm. Mongoloid.
1: to this earlier um a different version thereof yes this is the
3: eno produced album version um i think this is one of the more musically accomplished and rounded pieces on this album certainly with the darkest sound that mm. like grumbling bass under
1: everything Um, yeah what are your thoughts yeah as i said like we covered this and it is a if, I think the reason why we chose it as well is because it's very like, mm, 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 mm. like there's something almost a bit, yeah, metal almost about it. Yeah, del- like del- nasty del-ly. driving rip. Uh, 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 uh. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Um, and then, and you know, the lyrics being about like, <sighs> this fucking poor guy going to work, trying to live like a normal life. Um And yeah, he's a, he's a mongoloid, um, essentially like he's, he's got an extra chromosome, um, and all this stuff, but he's still being like forced into the fucking rat race and trying to like just get by. And I think it's kind of supposed to be a bit of a thing between like, we've all got, you know, there's, we're all different. We've all got like our own problems or whatever and stuff like that. But we're all just trying to squeeze into like this mold of having to like go out, get money, get the bacon. No one knows. Like no one knows what's wrong. Um, and yeah, we just kind of get on with it. So um, that's how I kind of imagined it. And I thought, well, like, why about, you know, a mongoloid? And I thought, well, the extra chromosome fits into the fact of like, you know, it's going into the DNA, evolution, de-evolution yeah. and all that stuff. So that's probably where they went with that, uh, which is interesting. But it's also a little bit like South Park kind of humor, almost a bit, um, you know, a bit silly, but in a, I don't know, like not a mean way, but um a little bit kind of bordering on offensive, um, but not really, I guess. Um
3: Yeah, that got battle. them a little bit hot hot water. I don't think that was their intention. And again, I think that's sort of like born out of just their whole ethos. Mm-hmm. Is it, a, a lot of it's sort of on, on the uh, on the edge of um, good taste, but I suppose you know that's mm-hmm. the thing we are trying to push the envelope. Um, yeah, but they did have to explain themselves to I think um, some societies, um, about how actually they felt it was making a positive statement about people you know disability and
1: their role in, in the community. Yeah, well it's yeah, I, which you can do I guess, and like to be like they're still normal people. They can go out and do whatever, which is fine. Yeah. I don't think they're actually doing that here. Yeah, to, to be honest, <laughs> um, I think it's a bit bullshit. But uh, yeah. um, that's why I'm kind of like. If you, if you see it as, I don't really know what the right context to see it as is, but yeah, I think that's why I saw it as a kind of thing of like, he's got a very specific genetic, uh, issue. Um, but yeah, when the chorus like, mongoloid, he's a mongoloid, I could imagine that would stir up some problems, (laughs) but putting that to side, to one side, which is easy for, um, a white middle-aged middle-class man to do, um, It's uh, still, I still really like it as a song, and the chorus as well. Um, It's uh, where it kind of just kind of like builds up again. It's kind of like a little mini build and release. Um, Like the chorus is a bit more free flow and like a bit more uh, less metal, and it's like quite nice all of a sudden. Um, You know, then no one do, 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 woo, builds up again. So it's almost like jubilant. It's yeah. almost like, you know, a celebration of this guy going out and doing whatever. Um, so I guess maybe, but uh, yeah, I don't think listening to it, um, it felt like it was, you know, making the um, Down Syndrome people like heroes or anything like that. I think that's a little bit much um, for them to kind of say. <laughs> yeah. it's therefore. Um, yeah, I, I agree. like it anyway as a track. Um, yeah, what do you reckon? Uh,
3: Nothing to add to what you've said. I think, uh, yeah, I think you've nailed it. I think it's time to talk about Choco Homo. Choco Homo. Like I said earlier, this to me jaw-dropping moment. I haven't heard anything quite like it. Um, designed mm. to irritate probably ninety-nine percent of the population. Um, it's just such a aggressively antagonistic, grinding kind of song. Mm. So strange. The chorus is like unlike anything else. Call and response stuff. Mm. Um, this really does feel like their, their like personal anthem. Um, you know, the long uh, middle section. Are we not men? We are Devo. But also all the stuff about the, you know, like deevolution, evolution and evolution. Yeah. They tell us that we lost our tails, evolving up from little snails. So it's all just wind in sails.
1: Are we not men? We are Devo. Yeah. It's all kind um, of, yeah, it's like, this. it's almost like this is the soundtrack to their film. Or whatever. Yeah. Like everything that they are as a band is kind of in this song yeah Um, yeah so yeah I agree and it's a a good song as well Um, and it's very fucking weird it's very strange
3: (laughs) there's a few versions as well Um, I don't think this is my favourite actually because it misses the part where they go um, I've got a rhyme that ends in a riddle oh hi oh what's round on the ends and high in the middle Ohio, and then it goes all together now god made man
1: yeah um, so yeah <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's interesting yeah, yeah i think as well like part of this um is there like sing along kind of festival type uh song like you know are we don't you know I mean? we are devo or whatever like yeah. rain, cry um which everyone can kind of get involved with but bit. only through
3: exposure to it like I said, i think earlier on they would play this this was designed to antagonize people who didn't mm. understand the music and mm. they spoke about playing like yeah 15 minute versions just to clear a room yeah
1: <laughs> i bet she could do a lot with it like what, what do you reckon about the term jocko homo because it's like i was thinking is it that whole thing of like the Gay Jock, or something like that. Um, or am I... I think... I don't know. No, I, I think
3: that's totally intended to be interpreted like that. But it's mm. actually from an old pamphlet called Jocko Homo Heavenbound. Right. That they I'm found. It. What's oh, that I like? can't remember that much off the top of my head. Um, but it's basically like an old religious pamphlet, pamphlet from, I think, like, uh, Victorian era. Right. And it's got this image of, like, the devil pointing the way for, like, a monkey to get into heaven. Okay. So, again, it's, like, another like image just, like, loaded, really, that they went, oh, my God, yeah. And they took aspects of that and grafted it to this burgeoning de-evolution concept. Hmm. But, yeah, if you Google Jocko Homo heaven bound, you can have a look at that. Oh, Interesting. Um, yeah, an important piece of... Uh,
1: um, groundwork being laid, mm-hmm. Devo vibe. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's kind of the. I wouldn't say it, I don't think it's like their best song, but it is like the Devo song. Yeah, it's it of, is the song Devo? that you need to hear. Yeah,
3: exactly. If you want to know what they're all about, mm, for sure, for sure. Um, too much paranoia's is next opening side two. Oh, nice. Do you have a listen? Do you have a cheeky bit? Yeah.
1: The reason why I always kind of forget about this song is because it's one of the skippable ones in my head. I quite like the weird, jerky guitars, but like just that, you know, uh, 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 bump. Yes. Yeah. A little bit difficult to listen to. Um but that guitar riff, that it's quite weird and quirky and cool. But for me, this is I'm just not enamoured by it. I love the mood it creates. It does create a paranoid, claustrophobic kind of vibe. Yeah, true. Um,
3: and I love how he's just quoting all this garbage from TV commercials. So a load of it's from a Burger King. Oh, really? Commercial. All that stuff. Hold was it? Hold the tomato. Hold the lettuce. Special orders don't upset us. Just as long as we can serve it your way. Right. Yep. 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 That's from a Burger King commercial, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So, I think this is just about yeah being trapped in modern corporate I... America.
1: Nice, how uh, fitting. Um, but yeah. it
3: acts as a nice little, I think, intro segue to the more substantive song, which is uh, "Gut Feeling." <sighs> yeah, let's listen to this. <laughs>
1: This is like this is probably one of my favourite flight uh, devo songs ever again. It's um much more accessible, I would say. And also, like, do you remember um we went to see um did we go and see ty a Girl? Are you there? No. Oh, no. It was me, I was definitely there with Rich and and uh, i think it was the Guy John. Um, and I had to leave early to get back home to catch the train. And he apparently played Gut Feeling. Um, I'm pretty sure he did. Maybe it's Uncontrollable That's... Urge. But whatever, he did Uncontrollable Urge or Gut Feeling. I can't remember which one. But I remember thinking, fucking hell, that was must have been cool. Because no one does that. No yeah. one does that. Um, yeah. But yeah, Gut Feeling is it's quite rocky, I would say. Like, it's quite guitar-based. And again, it's perfect build-up, release, um, especially by the end. It's like, you're really, really into it. Um, I like the way it just begins with that, you know, just nice little gentle picking and then goes into like the verse, like in a really cool stylized way. And then, yeah, it's just like just fucking rocking. It's just hammering it home right to the end. It's great. It's a great song. Agrees,
3: Yeah. It's so tightly wound and it's just all that, that build up masterfully done. Mm. Um. I suppose my only criticism is that at that point where you are, you're just like desperate for it to like break into something. Mm. Um, and what it breaks into is slap your mammy, mm. um, which isn't the most accomplished piece of music they ever did. It's, no. It feels to me like a bit of a, it's a kind of silly country infused throwaway. Yeah. Um it's just a shame, yeah. They couldn't have given a bit more of a payoff to all that build-up and tension of gut feeling. But um mm. gut feeling itself,
1: yeah, amazing. Yeah, it is great. Yeah, I don't actually let's just slap your slap your mammy. could can talk about it. <laughs> Don't slap your Sammy. Your, slap your, yeah. <laughs> Map your Sammy, I suppose. Um, it's, I don't, I think it's as bad as, uh, yeah, it does kind of feel like a bit of a tag on to the previous song. Um, but I quite like the way it's like, it's almost like a territorial pissings, a little bit. It's like super fast, super rough. It's over before you know it. Um, it's but in its own Devo way. It's just a bit stupid, fast, um, and I quite like yeah. that about it. Um, yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit frenzied.
3: Why would you want to slap your mammy?
1: Well, I don't know. Isn't that like? I don't know. And move it all around now. Don't know. Maybe it's a sex thing dirty it sounds it
3: it sounds like a dirty song doesn't it basically yeah yeah i think it might be um okay after that we get um come back johnny
1: one what do you like about it um i like the way <laughs> the, it music. Huh? <laughs> the music, huh the music that i like the music and i like the sounds that it makes. um <laughs> it's feels like it's a bit more of a story i guess in the lyrics or whatever um, yeah a bit like i said with space junk It's it's got that like an old 50s rock and roll vibe yeah um, yeah, it does feel like that. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It feels a bit more like serious, like really other ones are a bit silly or stupid. This feels a little bit more weirdly. Um, yeah, a bit more serious. I don't know. I don't know if there's another word for it. Um, even though it is still a bit stupid.
3: <laughs> yeah. There was a genre actually, it wasn't there. Um, of these kind of like teen tragedy, drama type rock and roll songs. Mm. So I think that's
1: what it's kind of lampooning. Yeah, true. I mean Johnny be good, literally. But I quite like the guitar work in it. Um it's yeah, like a little bit surfery, I guess, vibe to Yeah, the way the guitar sounds sometimes. Yeah. Um, and I quite like the melody. Uh, but it's not like I don't, you know, I don't get excited when it comes on, put it that way. Yeah, same here. I think
3: it's my least favourite song on the album. It's maybe a little too conventional.
1: Right. You know, it's
3: con- construction, maybe it just doesn't do all that much for me. It's fine. Um, there's actually a music video for this one. Have you seen it? No. Quite fun. They're like, like dressed up as cowboys and they're in some like bowling alley. It
1: just it is a bit cowboy sounding, I suppose.
3: Yeah. Ding 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 Yeah, that ding ding
1: ding. That yeah. rhythm
3: um, um check it out. let's move on from that then to mm. sloppy i saw my baby getting. The title alone does it for me it's
1: just so weird yeah it is weird it's <laughs> i quite like the like beginning bit and they're like and all that stuff and you know he saw my baby hey, yesterday hey, hey, hey yeah and it was like yeah exactly but it's all like kaiser chief style <laughs> like again no build, don't say that oh build, no build, really? release um <laughs> But yeah. It's I'll a, never you know, hear I like, it again in the same way now. <laughs> yeah, true. Oh. But like, it's kind of appealed and then like punching the lyrics out at some points. Um, and then, but I really didn't like the chorus. I guess I've come to love it a bit more um, with that. You know, she's just like, well, were like really high pitched. Yeah. It's just always a bit like, and then the verse just like kind of just comes back in. And I've always been a dun, bit dun, like,
3: dun, 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 yeah, dun, it's like, dun, it feels weird. Dun, like
1: it doesn't feel like a natural flow to it that's what um, I like
3: about it yeah, okay. I love that the chorus is so weird in that way and then it just stops it just like all falls out
1: Yeah, and then definitely. just like
3: now what and then it just starts again <laughs> <laughs> so strange there's nothing else quite like it it's another one where like lyrically as well it's it feels like it's lampooning that classic Americana of like it's like rock and roll you know saw my baby yesterday and like singing about spend my money on a car and all this yeah. and then you get to the chorus and the chorus is she said sloppy i think i missed the whole yeah like, what?
1: what yeah what does that
3: actually mean what do you sloppy she's addressing the singer as sloppy i think she said sloppy he's a sloppy
1: sloppy shag it's in he's not very good or what, missed the whole
3: i don't know was, well maybe that's it yeah exactly i do i think I think in a way it's like a puerile thing about anal sex.
1: sex yes. right nice
3: <laughs> but again it's not it's not i like it's not direct, it's something like kind of like weird and unpleasant, and i mean sloppy at the end of the day isn't a f- pleasant word, it conjures up all kinds of horrible
1: <laughs> true, yeah <laughs> I guess like yeah, thinking about it you've just talked talked about it, maybe it's the whole thing of like it's this very confident, bold, brash verse. She's got a, whatever it is, a brand new car. Some of it's all like, yeah, motherfucker, like walking around. like, And then the chorus being like, oh, but he's really insecure because he's really bad at sex or whatever, like behind closed doors. Yeah, um, could be. That confidence just melts away. And then another day starts and the verse comes, yeah. and the verse comes <laughs> back in and it's all confident again
3: (laughs) uh, exactly yeah like
1: walking outside like yeah it's a brand new day i can't wait um maybe when i look at it like that if i look at it in that context i probably like it more (laughs) (laughs) The, the power of interpretation but um yeah generally speaking as a song i've always been a bit like yeah okay like as soon as it breaks down i think after that first chorus i'm always a bit like yeah okay moving on like yeah i've heard it i've heard the song basically Pretty much just had the song from that first verse and chorus. Fair enough, fair enough. And once you've missed the whole Sam, what do you do? What do you do? You shrivel up. <laughs> Speak for yourself, friend. Speak for <laughs> yourself. Um let's have a listen to Shrivel Up.
3: is a quite unusual song i think it sounds different to everything else on this album Mm. something
1: like dry and dark atmospheric weird yeah it reminds me of um who did the south park theme song the original one was it wilco or something (laughs) (laughs) i can't remember i can't remember i think it was wilco maybe Mm without but it feels it feels like that like it's massively like weird and the way like his vocals are so like creepy and like talky and strange. Um, It sounds like it's, it's got a
3: strange like space to it that other tracks don't. It sounds like they're in a dungeon or something. There's some weird like
1: reverby
3: like dank sounds almost like you can hear things dripping. It's like a, a, kind of like a plop noise in there <laughs> yeah i just think it's really unusual it's a very unnerving unpleasant kind of atmosphere um yeah. which isn't inappropriate for the album and it kind of works as a closing song again it feels like they're lampooning like a more uh, mainstream rock kind of um persona of like you know the band leader might be like tighten up guys bring it bring it home and he's like, shrivel up, Devo. And then they like bring it in, basically, to end the album. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Like I've always liked that. It's like, yeah, I'm going to tell the band to shrivel up. Yeah. And I can imagine them as, like, these you know, weird mutant robots on stage, just kind of, like, shriveling into, like, a tiny little
1: pile of goo or something. Yeah. I guess it's, like, also, like, you know, dying, really, as well. Yeah. Like, as if, or, like, if they're going, going down the, like, evolutionary thing like they've you know like that's what happens when you kill like a bug or something like that or I don't know like yeah. it kind of shrivels up um, I don't know um, like it's about to shed its skin I don't know something weird there's something like I think the word shrivel is an interesting use of uh, an interesting word to use I should say what are the rest of the yeah. lyrics then? Um, I can't they're really it. strange it's a god given fact so that you're gonna get small, you're gonna get small. I mean, that's it. Maybe it's devolution, yeah. literally. You're not growing yeah. out. You're not expanding. You're shriveling yeah. up. You're getting smaller and devolving. I think you've nailed it. <laughs> I think you've nailed. I think that's it.
3: <laughs> and that's why it's here at the end. It's like the final <laughs> statement. Yeah.
1: True. Yeah. I don't. I don't mind it. I'm just always like it serves its use as the final track of the album. It's yeah. not a song I'm going to listen to. It's not yeah. a song. It's more like a, yeah, as you said, performance piece kind of thing. Um, yeah. If you think of divas performance artist almost it kind of makes sense in that context. Um, but yeah, overall that's like, it's like a nine out of 10 album kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? So like
4: yeah, it's so, it's so close
1: to being perfect, but it does what it needs to do. Um Yeah just and the, the hits really hit really smash your face in um great album so
3: we'll talk about how it was received mm. uh, by the critics maybe when we come to looking at some reviews um but apparently it's a bit of a mixed reception Although, um, well obviously like I said commercially it did fairly well mm. um so that came out in august on the 14th of october they performed on Saturday Night Live. Huh. So until this point, you know, they've been playing, playing to audiences of maybe, you know, 1,500 people, 2,000. Right. Um, suddenly, they're being broadcast to 15 million viewers across mainstream America. And I often see a lot of people commenting on this performance. They did Satisfaction and Jocko Homo.
5: Mm.
3: Can you imagine? Just turning on your TV set, seeing that, and seeing these guys in those yellow radiation suits with all their like jerky, robotic kind of movements and things, playing those two songs. That
1: would be cool. I'm trying. I'm going to try and see and search search out for it Um, because that's brilliant. I bet it was. Yeah, I'm just watching it now. Fucking insane. And the guy that's presenting it is the guy who uh, died recently. who is in? Uh, this is Spinal Tap um, and you know, <sighs> Space Force. He's been in tons of stuff. What? Someone died but, recently from Spinal Tap. Yeah, the the dad in um, everything. You know Spinal Tap, where he's getting shown around the military base. And he's like, oh, you, you know, yeah. my haircut, whatever. He's been in tons of stuff. He's in all the Christopher Guest films. I'm getting um, a little shaggy at the back myself. That's right. Yeah, him. He died recently. He's the oh, one that's no. just introducing them now, but it looks great. And that's the thing is that it's like that kind of robotic performance, like their, what um, they call it? Like jerky animatronic things on like rides or whatever. Yeah. Um, is great. It's just like, mate, oh God, just Diva is so fucking cool. So fucking good. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I've got a um, video from around this time of them performing on French TV. I remember. And that they do video, a whole they do like 10 songs or something, including an encore where Boogie Boy comes on and it's in a studio Mm. and the audience are just sitting there looking fairly bored, actually. They're not responding. (laughs) And I always remember watching it with you and there's just like, they zoom in on like one really boring, like bland, middle-aged man. (laughs) And he's just like watching like Boogie Boy dispassionately. I always remember you saying like this... (laughs) Imagine him going home to his wife and going, oh my God, you will not believe the things I have seen tonight. <laughs> <laughs>
5: yeah.
1: Uh, that sounds right. That sounds right. Uh, I, I do remember that video because I remember thinking, because as well, it's got that like sheen where it's like, you know, but it wasn't, you've got it on like tape or something like that. And you like a fucking yeah. VHS. So it's yeah. not like pristine quality or whatever. And cause it's from like French TV as well. Um, yeah. It's just this weird kind of like Vaseline on the lens, almost kind of aesthetic (laughs) to it, Um, which makes it even more creepy when you watch that encore of him coming out in that mask. It's just weird. Yeah.
3: yeah, It's really good though, actually. I don't know if it's online. I should rip that video and put it up.
1: Mm. Yeah. You should have a look. Um,
3: As well in the aftermath of the album, a couple of singles came out. So Satisfaction was released, not in the UK, But um, so this obviously the album version of Satisfaction. Mm. Uh, They released that in the US and some other markets, Um, and then they did do Come Back Johnny. Like I said, there was a video for that. Um, A Really cool sleeve in the UK um, of a woman holding um, a (laughs) a head, um, like a like a like a bust, like a Greek statue.
1: Right.
3: Superimposed over that is a green potato. Okay, um, But it came with a sticker of the actual face that you could like put over it. So um, that's cool. With Social Falls again on the B-side. Right. Um, other than that, I think the only outtake is the song Penetration in the Centrefold, mm. um, which would later be released the next year as the B-side of uh, The Day My Baby Gave Me a Surprise. Okay. Um, this is a strange
1: song, isn't it? What do you think of it? Yeah. If I remember rightly, it's dirty, which the <laughs> um, song uh, title would suggest. Um, it's a bit like Manic, but as well, if I remember rightly, um, yeah, it's like quite sl- not sludgy guitar, it's like it's still sharp, but it's like weird, dark, edgy sound to it. It sounds almost yeah. like violent or something yeah weird
3: rhythm to it everything about it's weird and then just him shouting penetration for
1: the chorus yeah i'm not a particularly it's one of those things and i'll probably skip um, yeah
3: likewise it's one it's one of those ones where yeah to me it stands out because of its just utter strangeness it's not a particularly pleasant listening experience mm. um do you like pussy galore
1: what? Do you know them? Yeah, the uh, James Bond. The, <laughs> <laughs> the band Terrorine. featuring uh, John Spencer. You know? I don't know anything about them.
3: Oh, okay. Well, um, they did a cover of it that's really quite cool. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I really like Pussy Galore. We should uh, do an episode on them sometime. Yeah, in the bank. So anyway, I mean, that's that's kind of it really. That's all the material. Um Maybe we should have a little nose in Nerd's Corner quickly. Here we are in Nerd Corner, uh, taking a look at some of the most spectacular pressings and releases of the album. Um, As we mentioned before, obviously in the UK and the US, it came out in different sleeves. In the UK, there's something like seven or eight different colours they put it out with. Um, with, there's a big sticker on the front that kind of like said, this comes on purple, green, grey, blue, blah, 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 but not black. Um, oh, yeah. But black obviously followed at some point because my copy's on black. <laughs> okay. Oh, <yeah. laughs> um, the best one, in my opinion, and I would love to get hold of the copy of this, is the Canadian pressing, which right. was on splattered grey vinyl, which... I think it's quite cool because I don't often associate that kind of, like, novelty colour with, like, the era of the late 70s.
1: Yeah.
3: So I think it's quite an unusual thing. It looks great. It's really, really cool. Um, So, yeah, that's like a perennial item on my want list. Nice. Nice. Um, In 1979 in the UK, again, Virgin, like, squeezing every penny they could Mm. out of this. They put it out on a picture disc. Right. Um, which is quite cool, that image of Mark. And that came with, in most copies, I think, um, a flexi disc called Flimsy Wrap. You heard of this? Okay. Nope. It's the funniest thing. I've got two copies of Flimsy Wrap, but I don't have the picture disc. What's um, It's kind of like, it's weird. It's like an interview. Um, so it's a DJ being like, "Oh, you know, i have just played," and, blah, 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 blah. and you get a little burst of noise, and then it's basically like an interview. I think them hyping up the band and then speaking to Mark.
2: Mm.
3: I think so. It's the strangest kind of thing, and basically nothing you'd really ever want to listen to. Okay. Um, it's just really odd.
1: And I it comes feel also weird like, when like bands release interviews as like a thing. Like I think yeah. I, Idlewild did it for like. I think a hundred broken windows re-release or something. And it was like a, an interview with them and then a whole bunch of live sessions that they did. It's like, I don't care about the interview. <laughs> Just get rid of it. Uh, no, that's
3: like promotional stuff. Like if you're really into a band, then it's quite cool. If you get like a promo interview CD, mm. you have to track it down and get it. But no one really wants to hear people being interviewed on a commercial release. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. Mm-hmm. Um, it also came with a letter from the desk of General Boy. God.
1: Do you general Boy? No, but I'm guessing it's part of the uh <laughs> part of the character framework that they'd built. Yeah, it was actually
3: their dad, like the mother's ball's dad. Oh, okay. He's great. He's in some of the films. He does these like um linking segments where he's like in a big room and he's dressed up as a general, he's got like a pictures framed pictures behind him and he does stuff like you know yeah. the boys are working in the bunker and they're important music and every man woman and child will soon soon know the truth about the evolution and it's, <laughs> he's this really straight-laced guy and they got him to do all this stuff it's brilliant brilliant um but yeah it comes with this letter and it's uh it's just cool all these little things like part of the kind of Devo manifesto
1: yeah nice um, so, yeah, if world. you're
3: really into the album, that's a fun little thing to track down if you can get hold of that letter and uh, flimsy rap. Anyway, that's kind of everything. Pretty exhaustive look at the album, I think. Um, yeah. But I'm sure there's things that we've missed out on. Um, so, if anyone's just listening and they've got a bit more inside detail,
1: love to hear any little scrap or nugget of information. Yeah, all the Bowie Iggy Pop stuff interests me as well. Um, cause yeah, I didn't know Bowie was involved at all, um, before coming into this. And the reissue schedule of Bowie material
3: since he died has been relentless. Um, so the fact that there's a potentially a kind of like a, a, a remaster remix incorporating more Bowie elements,
1: I'm mm. surprised
3: someone hasn't tried to poke around and, uh, get that released.
1: Yeah, be interesting here. hear. Yeah. Um, cool, yeah. That was, it. It was good coming back to that album. I enjoyed yeah. that. Final thoughts? Statement on the album? Um, it was, it's one of the few albums that had such an immediate effect. As I said, there's nothing, no one has sounded like Devo before or since. I guess like um, uh, One Little Bit, which maybe is kind of, that follows in with Nerds Corner, is that um, you guys might remember the Transformers animated movie, which is one of my favourite movies of all time. Yeah. Um, And if you remember, there's a song called Dare to be Stupid, which is actually by Weird Al Yankovic, who wrote that as a Devo song. So he tried to emulate Devo. And if you listen to it, it is pure Devo nonsense. And apparently uh, there was an interview with Mark Mothersborough about it at the time. Saying like, "How do you feel about Weirdo Yankovic doing a Devo song for the Transformers thing, or whatever?" And he said, "It's amazing." He was like, "It's a great song. We feel like, yeah, he's he's something something. It was something like he's written a better Devo song than we could have. Yeah. Something like that." <laughs> um And when you hear it, it's just, I tell you what, let's do a Transformers album. We we'll do a we should do a Transformers fucking episode on the animated on the movie. Film anyway. I love that movie. Absolutely love that movie as well. Um, and the album is one of the few soundtracks. I remember when I when they re-released that album on C D, whenever it was, um, ages ago when it came out, I think at the same time as the DVD. Yeah. Um, and I had it on VHS and all this stuff, but it hadn't been out DVD by that point. I've got it 4K or something now, fucking ridiculous. And I treasured that C D. I was like, I can't believe this thing exists because I fucking love that soundtrack. <laughs> um, and I was so happy. And bear in mind, this was before like Spotify and all this stuff. um So I think it's great to get hold of. Anyway, why am I talking about that? Okay, okay Will iankovic yeah, born to be stupid, dare to be stupid, sorry. Um, dare to be stupid. Yeah, should I put a little bit of it here now? People to why to? not? Yeah, Have go a listen. Will Iankovich, dare to be stupid.
3: like we're going to be doing some transformers music in the movie at some point
1: <laughs> um but um sam what are we doing next week next week is a game we have moved on to the game section of the podcast and we're going to be doing hellblade senua's sacrifice because i Sounds completed vicious. it recently <laughs> <laughs> so it makes it onto the list um but yeah thanks everyone for listening again i guess and yeah dan that was a really great um chat i enjoyed talking about a bit of diva me what are your too. final thoughts? Just uh
3: brilliant, brilliant album. Like you said, nine out of 10. Uh, it's a perennial favorite of mine. Definitely like top 20 album. Um, loved it since I heard it. Still love it as much today. Um, yeah, like I said, sometimes I'm like, maybe Freedom of Choice is my favorite. It depends which way you're kind of leaning on that day, really.
1: Yeah.
3: I think this is a bit weirder. Um, yeah. usually, usually for me, the weirder,
1: the better. Yeah, I would say it's a bit more punky. Maybe why I like it more. Yeah. Um, cool. Guess that's it. That's See it. You. Bye, Odd Squad. Hey guys, thank you for listening to Oddcast, Movies, Music and Gaming. If you want to get in touch with us or get a movie, album, or game put on our list to discuss, then email us at oddcastoddballs at gmail.com or a new podcast at gmail.com. This is part of a new winter podcast network, so head on over to a to check out our other shows. You can also follow us on Instagram at a new winter, Twitter at a new winter, and you can head on over to our Patreon page, patreon.com a new Thanks for listening and see you again soon.